0: from the massive studios in raleigh north carolina this is the cloudcast with aaron delp and brian Gracely, presented by a cloud guru bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world good morning good evening wherever you are and welcome back to the cloudcast we are coming to you live from the massive studios here in raleigh north carolina you know one of the things that we've been trying to do more and more this year, uh, just based on a lot of feedback from people is, you know, let's let's dig in deeper uh, to what's going on in a public cloud. Let's kind of get to know, uh, you know, what's going on in the services, um, you know, how can they be taken advantage of for, for the for people's businesses, but but really just kind of get an understanding of. What goes on in the public cloud? Because I think so many of our listeners, for a long time, have been, you know, running services uh, in their own data centers on prem. And, and as you start using more managed services or things on demand out of the cloud, you, you kind of want to know what's going on behind the scenes. Uh, you know, what do those services deliver, and and kind of you know do some comparisons for what you know and and uh, maybe what you what you want to learn about. So today we're very very lucky. We've got uh, Dominic Price, who is director of product management, and and uh, focuses very much on on databases and storage from the google cloud platform so dominic welcome to the show
1: great thanks for having me
0: yeah so um you know first off thank you for being on glad to have you on um why don't you you tell folks a little bit about your background you know both about what you focus on in google but also some of the 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 interesting things that you've done in your past because it's a it's a pretty broad set of of domains and and both business side and technical side things
1: yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've been uh, I've been very fortunate to uh, have a lot of different opportunities in my career. Um, so when I originally uh, came out of school, I actually uh, went to Duke University. So go Duke. Uh, um, and uh, originally came out as a software developer. So I was working on uh, consulting engagements for large enterprises to deliver enterprise software. So this was in the late 90s. Um, I then transitioned into uh, technical pre-sales. So I was working on uh, the sales side of these long you know, 18 to 24-month sales cycles, selling large solutions to companies like Nokia and, and Alcatel and um, NCR, National Cash Register. And then uh, after I did that for a while, uh, I actually came back and I joined Google for the first time in uh, 2004 where I was actually uh, a strategic technology evangelist. That was my title. It's still the, uh, the best title I've ever had. Uh, and I worked with um, a number of the large advertisers uh, for Google Uh, around Google to understand Google technology. So they were large AdWords customers, but I was really helping them understand what was great about Google and and why they should partner with Google. So then uh, I ended up getting involved on the AdWords side. So I was part of the original AdWords product management team uh, in 2004 to 2007 Um, and then ended up leaving Google. So I was in New York City and I I wanted to uh, test out the New York startup scene. Uh, So I was at a company called Meetup uh, .com for a while. I was at a joint venture between uh, Dow Jones and IAC. And then most recently, I was uh, the CTO at a company called Second Market, which was uh, very involved in the, the pre-IPO uh, Facebook uh, lead up to their IPO. Um, so we worked with a lot of Facebook employees and investors then. Uh, and then I came back to Google about uh, three and a half years ago and joined the, uh, the Google Cloud platform team uh, where I started working on all of our databases. So I've been looking after uh, our various database and storage products uh, for the last uh, three and a half years
0: very cool very cool yeah a uh May want to may want to poke your kind of kind of poke at uh, some of the, those past things, but we'll do that off show maybe uh, sort of off off uh, offline. Uh, listen, they you know w- w- both Aaron and I um, you know had a chance to to attend Google Cloud Next last year. Uh, we 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 may get out there this year as well. Um, you know more and more announcements are coming from Google in terms of partnerships and services, and um, you know people are starting to break out kind of revenue numbers. So getting a better feel for for what the business is evolving to, like what's the general kind of sentiment uh, amongst the Google Cloud team and amongst Google Cloud customers these days? What's the, you know, the, the services are evolving, but what's the general sentiment you're hearing from from the marketplace about GCP these days?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think, um, you know, I have spent a lot of time recruiting where we're kind of aggressively growing the team in, in leaps and bounds and kind of, um, I talk about this as kind of a, a, a twice in a lifetime opportunity. You know, as I said earlier, I was at uh, on the AdWords team back in 2004, and we saw that of of media consumption was online, but only 10% of advertising spend was. So we knew a a really large portion of the $700 billion of U.S. advertising spend at the time was going to move online. You know fast forward to two thousand sixteen and we 're seeing a very similar thing with cloud you know the public cloud market is a, about a two hundred billion dollar business according to Gartner global IT spend is about three point three trillion dollars so we're seeing less than ten percent of IT spend is moved to the public cloud and so you know to use a, an American sports analogy you know we really think it's kind of the first half of the first it's the first inning of the um, it's the top of the first inning yeah. right yeah. Or, you know, very early in the game And I think the thing that's been really exciting for me to see over the last three and a half years is we really hit the inflection point, uh, kind of, I would say, in the last 12 months. So when I first got here, people were saying, oh, the cloud isn't as secure as on-premise, and, you know, maybe I'll get to the cloud someday, and now – you know, we've really seen the inflection point where people are saying, oh, the cloud is actually more secure than what I'm doing on premise. And not only do I want to do something in the cloud, I need to do everything in the cloud. Um, and so we're, we're seeing that we really think we've hit that inflection point where we've seen that acceleration of customers coming on to the public clouds. And we absolutely see that in our business, but we see that in the industry uh, more broadly.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's good. I I, I like, uh, I like kind of the, the comparison between, um, you know, the, the ad space a decade ago, and, and where we are in terms of, of cloud adoption and maturity, so I appreciate that um, for folks that maybe haven 't dug into the database space in gcp specifically give me just give me like the high level uh, way that you explain to people kind of a set of of, of database services that you offer because it's it 's fairly broad it 's fairly robust, but how do you kind of explain it to people
1: sure um, so our approach to the the platform so obviously we have all the core building blocks uh, that you would need to host an application. So a VM, block storage, networking, all of those things. Um, And the way that we look at our our managed services is really uh, we want to provide a use case, a solution for every use case. So we have, if you need managed MySQL or Postgres, we have Cloud SQL. If you need a managed uh, uh, database, um, document database, we've got Cloud Datastore. If you need a uh, scale-out relational database, we have Cloud Spanner If you need a wide column store, we have Cloud Bigtable. And if you need a data warehouse, then we've got BigQuery. And so uh, it might not be the solution for every customer, but we want to make sure that we have a managed offering for every workload. And then we'll work with a partner ecosystem to provide any other solutions that aren't met by those. And so that's really our goal is to make sure that you can run a fully managed stack with zero ops, right? So very few operational people let Google manage that for you if that's how you want to run your business. And so it's really about making sure that we have you know, a solution for each of those workloads, and now we're really innovating and kind of pushing each of those solutions forward.
0: Gotcha, gotcha, makes sense. Um, yeah, and, and especially these days, I mean, there, there's so many different use cases. Having kind of the the breadth of databases, not forcing people to to kind of you know use a certain database that maybe isn't optimized for use cases, is is, is really important. Um, are you seeing you know as you as you talk to companies, are you seeing more demand for people to to try and migrate? Uh, you know, bring existing applications and data sets into the cloud, or is it uh, is is the bigger demand about you know new databases, new use cases, new applications, or um, you know you know do you have a sense yet of of where the the, the the bigger piece of demand is?
1: Absolutely. So, um, we brought in Diane Green about a year and a half ago. We acquired a company called Bebop, and we really consolidated all of our sales and marketing around the enterprise. And so, we've been very focused on traditional enterprise. Over the last you know two, two and a half years. And so, uh, the majority of workloads that we're seeing are traditional lift and shift. So what we see is customers are taking their traditional stack. So whatever their application is, whatever software it's using, they're taking it from on-premise and they're moving it into the cloud as is. So they're basically um, de-risking the migration and going from an, a CapEx model to an OpEx model first by moving everything into the cloud. Once they've done that migration, then they're looking to re-platform on top of the managed services. So basically, get the thing, get the application moved into the cloud so you start to realize... Some of the the gains, and then over time, replatform onto more managed services to lower your operational load and start to basically incre- uh, lower your total cost of ownership by moving onto those managed services.
0: I gotcha. So, so is it is it common for? Let me kind of maybe translate. it, is, is it common for people to say, okay, uh, l- let's say I've got uh, a SQL database today that backs some one of my applications. I bring that to the Google Cloud maybe initially it's running on just VMs because you know that that's what it looked like in my data center and then over time you you move that SQL database to a managed uh, SQL database you know managed service of some sort is that kind of what you're seeing
1: Yep, that's a very common pattern. Okay. The, there's, um, take that workload, move it over. It's a very common pattern. The other common pattern that we see is that people will start by taking their non-mission critical workloads, so let's say their data and analytics pipelines, move those over, get comfortable with the cloud, and then bring over their mission critical workloads. Or you know, they'll use the cloud as a DR site, a uh, disaster recovery site, to really get comfortable with running the cloud. And then once they get comfortable with the availability and the controls that they have in the cloud, then they'll move their primary over um, into the pri- into the cloud. So we see a lot of that as ways of people trying to de-risk their migrations, uh, by doing it piecemeal or starting with their less mission critical. And then over time moving their mission critical applications.
0: Yeah. Well, what do you, what do you typically find as people are going through those transitions? So they've got, you know, some stuff that still runs on prem, uh, some is running in the cloud. Like what are the, what what are the most common, you know, still pain points that they have, or just sort of big transition things they have to get through in order to be more successful than they were before?
1: Yeah, I think, um, it's, Uh, while it does happen, so we we have Evernote as a customer and they basically move from on-premise into the cloud and I think Mm -hmm. it was like 80 some days and that was kind of an all-in. That's very unusual, right? Generally what we see is we see customers moving pieces of applications from on-premise into the cloud and then they basically... Are inherently in a hybrid scenario. So then the question becomes: How do we get network connectivity? How do we have secure connectivity between their on-premise and the cloud? You know, as you know, initially 10% is in the cloud, and then 30, and then 40, and then you know, eventually you know, 90 or even 100%. But de- de- uh, we definitely see customers that end up in that hybrid scenario. And so there's a lot of work that we're doing. Around- Around uh, private interconnect, so have you a private circuit between your network on-premise and the cloud. You know things like VPN connections, uh, partner interconnect. So a lot of uh, challenges are really around connectivity between on-premise and the cloud, and that often comes down to networking.
0: Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. And, and and Google has always uh, sort of highlighted the fact that uh, you know bigger, faster network, more more uh, more entry points, and so forth. So definitely something that. I think people will, if if they haven't sort of realized it as an advantage, uh, you know, has always been something that that Google has had a ton of background in terms of just big, fast networks all over the place and, and so forth.
1: Yeah, um, the, the advantage of running YouTube, which takes up a you know significant portion of all the bandwidth on the internet, is that we have really good networking.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so you mentioned that. that you know kind of a goal eventually is to get to you know less and less ops uh letting letting google manage that um what do you what do you see or hear as the transition for for people that that typically would identify as being like a dba you know what's what's a what's a dba's role in the transition and then you know do they continue to to serve a function or does that you know does that become more of sort of an application development team's uh role or, or like you know how, how are dbas a adjusting to to cloud databases if you will.
1: Yeah, I I think that the um, you know, as we start to offload the, the pieces of the, their job that is the um, the lowest value add, right? So, you know, doing backups and, and, and doing, you know, basic maintenance or doing upgrades of the binary, like as we are kind of taking that away from them, it really allows them to focus on the part of the job that's the highest value, right? So things like schema design and optimizing queries and, you know, every database still has a lot of uh, optimizations that have to happen at the data plane level, right? So what's the right schema, what are the right queries, what are the right indexes, Um, all of those still... Become the, all of those remain incredibly important and and really move the DBA towards their their higher value add portion of their job and away from things that are more mundane like you know backups and the you know updating the database and, and things like that. So what we have seen is that it really allows the DBAs to focus on the part of the job that they enjoy that actually provides the most value back to the
0: organization. Gotcha, gotcha, makes sense. Uh, you know, one of the things that uh, as sort of an outsider, um, you know, looking looking at either Google or or Google Cloud. Um you know there's always a perception that that Google has you know a ton of of background and experience in kind of big data types of things you know analytics and and so forth you know the, the ad business obviously you know drives a ton of expertise in that what what is you know how does how does Google translate that that kind of internal expertise around big data into stuff that that customers can take advantage of in in some of the database services cuz obviously you know, hiring data scientists is hard. Finding them is hard. Like, how do you translate your internal expertise into stuff that that becomes useful for a, a really broad set of customers?
1: Um, yeah, I would. I would. Uh, I would I'll, I'll give you two different kind of answers to that. So the first one is that internally, um, we don't have data silos. So all the data is integrated and designed to be federated. And so one of the things that people get to take the advantage of is that um, we have the ability to, to basically break down the silos of your data. So the idea is that when you bring your data into cloud, um, whether it be into uh, Bigtable or GCS or into BigQuery, you need to be able to query it. And so we offer things like federated queries in BigQuery, which basically allows you to do queries against your data in either Bigtable or GCS or Google Drive or in BigQuery storage. And that really is a manifestation of how Google runs it internally. So that come, that came out of an internal project called Dremel. And really the idea is that it's a federated query engine. And so customers don't have to worry as much about where they're going to drop their data because we make sure that either through federated queries or Dataflow or Dataproc, we make it very easy to uh, correlate your data, move it, Clean it up, do that, and that's all comes from Google's uh, kind of history of, of, you know, deriving the majority of our value as a company out of data. Right, we're basically in the data business and and driving value out of data, and that's what we do. And so you see that manifest in um, in those tools. The second thing I'll say is that um, we're really starting to bring to bear um, some of our expertise in machine learning and really making it easier for customers to run their workloads. Um, so're we're, we're announcing a number of things that will um, make it really easy and, and almost um, transparent to the customers that they're taking advantage of google's machine learning expertise, um, whether that be you know on recommendations for how to use the platform uh, or baking some of these functions into some of our products um, we'll you'll really start to see us baking kind of the machine learning tensorflow uh, expertise that we've always had and make it Kind of an inherent part of the platform, so that customers will get the, the value of it without having to do anything, and that 's another area where we can really bring that that data and machine learning background and history at Google to to the advantage of our Google cloud platform customers
0: okay so if if i'm a customer who you know starts starts consuming one of the, the Google cloud services, whether it's storage or database, is it I, in essence is there sort of like a, a button or a checkbox that somewhere you say like yes, also make this part of a you know, federated sort of data lake, if you will, or or how, like, what's the mechanics of, of saying, hey, we started with this service or that service where our data went, and then it eventually becomes kind of federated?
1: Sure. So um, a, a, two examples of this are, um, I've just been writing a ton of data into Bigtable. Um, I've got, you know, a couple terabytes or a petabyte of data sitting in Bigtable. You know what, I really want to run a SQL query against that. Let me go into Query, let me define that as an external table. Let me define a schema, and now I can run queries from Big Table and even join against data in Big Query storage against that data. And so it's a thing that you can do after the fact. After you have all the data in there, you can basically tell BigQuery how to look at that data and how to access it, uh, and then you can do so. Same thing for uh, GC- uh, Google Cloud Storage. Let's say that you're writing you know, millions or billions or trillions of Avro files into a GCS bucket, and now you want to start to do some aggregations across that using BigQuery. You go to BigQuery, you tell it where the data is, you tell it what the schema is for the Avro files, and now you can start to run distributed uh, queries across all of that data in a GCS bucket. And so it's really... you know, after after the fact, you know, after the data has already been there, you're like, oh, I actually want a new way of accessing that data and driving value from it. You can do it after the fact.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. And if people wanted to sort of dig into, you, you said the project that kind of put that together was called Dremel.
1: Yeah. So the, the history, the internal history was Dremel. Um, I believe there's some white papers about it. Uh, but that is what that is what uh, BigQuery is based on, our external product. And so BigQuery is the, is the Google Cloud product that. Uh, enables all of this, but it, it comes off of a history um, of Dremel.
0: Okay, okay, makes sense. We'll, we'll dig into that for folks and, and try and get some things in the show notes for you as well. Um, cool. You know, we, we've seen this thing uh, lately where... Um, you know, some of the uh, some some different companies are, are you know, so ser- serverless is becoming this this big industry buzzword. And for a little while, serverless was always sort of associated with, uh, you know, application modeling. Right. We're going to we're going to break applications down into functions. And it was sort of functions as a service. Um, but maybe over the last six months, nine months or something, we're starting to hear some of the cloud providers talk about the kind of the backend of the operations of, of some of their services as, as serverless, um, you know, so a database service is serverless because you're not, you don't have to think about what's, what's kind of behind the scenes. Can, can you give us a sense? Like, are you seeing that with, with, with customers who are saying like uh, you know, I want, I, I just don't want to think about the underlying infrastructure and I want you to think of it as serverless in terms of, you know, performance or, or scaling out capacity. I mean, is that something that, that, that terminology comes into play for, for your space?
1: Uh, Absolutely. Um, You know, serverless is a, is a really frustrating term for us um, because, you know, we really kind of pioneered this whole serverless space with app engine, you know, nine or 10 years ago uh, where you don't do any upfront provisioning, you push some code and then you start to serve and you only pay for what you consume. Like that is the, the serverless provisioning model. Um, And so, you know, we feel that we've, often been working this way. So, you know, if you wanted to build a, let's just say you wanted to build a serverless stack on Google Cloud Platform. You know, if you use App Engine, BigQuery, and Google uh, Cloud Storage and PubSub, right, those are all non-provisioned, paper consumption, no upfront work Um, that you could use to basically build an application that has no upfront provisioning, right? And so the way that we think about serverless is you don't have to pre-provision. You don't have to worry about scaling up or scaling down. You only pay for what you use, either on a per-ops basis or on a consumption basis. And, you know, we have a full... We can build uh, an entire end-to-end application that most people would call serverless. Um, and it isn't event driven. It's not, you know, Google Cloud functions. It's really the provisioning model. And so we really talked about that as kind of a zero ops model. So we talked about it a lot in the market as kind of the no, the, the no DevOps model, right? The, the favorite uh, quote is always Snap where they say, uh, well, do you have a DevOps organization? He's like, yeah, totally. It's huge. Like, well, how many people is it? He's like, I don't know. They all work on Google Cloud Platform. Gotcha. Right? Like, he basically outsources entire DevOps organization to Google and they got to, you know, a multi-billion dollar business without hiring any DevOps people. And so we think that, you know, we actually have a, a, an incredibly strong serverless offering. And now you're just really into semantics about how people are using the word. And, you know, is it event driven? Is it no provisioning? I think that's um, it's unfortunate that the word has become so overloaded because it's kind of lost some of its value.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so, so for companies that, that buy database software, uh, you know, in the enterprise you know, on-prem stuff, um, I mean, there's just reams and reams of, of, of examples of people that are like, you know, buying database software is painful Our database software vendors, you know, take advantage of us. We have this thing once a year where they come in and, and audit us and, you know, we get a big bill and, um, and, and Google cloud is, has had this, uh, kind of evolution of how pricing works. Um, you know, at least I, I know for, for, you know, like compute and so forth, where it's like the more you use the platform, the more discounts sort of kick in and so forth. And, um, it, does that same sort of pricing, uh, approach work in the database space? Do you sort of, you know, the, the more you're using it, the more discounts kick in and, and, and how do people adapt to having known a certain pricing model before to, you know, kind of cloud pricing models?
1: Yeah. Um, it, it, it is one of the main reasons that we see customers moving, right, is that the, the upfront decision that people used to have to make of saying, uh, I'm going to make a three-year commit to me and I'm going to guess that at the end of the three years, I'm going to have exactly this many developers or this many servers or this many things. Um, and it was really painful and it, used, it took up a ton of time um, and, so, and, and had very little value. And it was always wrong. And so, you know, what's great about the cloud model is that we can do the, uh, we can basically say, look, don't worry about making any decisions up front. Just start to use it, and we'll charge you for what you use. And it really removes the risk and the pain of making those decisions. And so, um, you know, in areas where we can say, oh, well, if you've got higher utilization than we have, you know, we obtain operational efficiencies, therefore we'll pass that discount on to you. That's absolutely the model that Google wants to move um, and, and continue to move down with all of our services. And so, um, you know, any situation where we can align, we can create a, a financial incentive for customers to do things that make it easier, easier or for us to operate the service, we'll continue to create incentives to do that. And so um, it's definitely a, a, a core pricing principle of the platform. Um, databases are a little bit different because you know w- you still have to store the data. It's not yep. like the data doesn't go away when it's not being used. Like I still have to maintain all of it and keep it consistent and do backups and all those other things. So the database model doesn't lend itself as well to those sustained use discounts that we provide on Google uh, Compute Engine. Yep. Um, but it is a, a fundamental... Principle that we try to apply to all of our products, where um, we see the opportunity to create that incentive.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. No, makes sense, makes sense. And, and again, it's you know we're, we're always just trying to kind of educate people on like what are the basic differences when you go from something that you've known for 10, 15, 20 years to to sort of these new models. So you know, kind of appreciate you giving us the, the basics there. Uh, let me ask you one last question before I let you go. Um, let's say you're, you're sitting down with a new customer. Um, they're they're trying to understand the cloud. They're trying to understand you know kind of how they're going through say a digital transformation if you will like what are the one or two tips that you give them that you say look this is th- these are the immediate things that that cloud databases are going to do for you that are going to you know you can just immediately point to and say these will make your business better these will either make you more profitable it'll it'll save you costs on the upside like what are what are some of those immediate things that you typically point out to people
1: um the it, just as it pertains to databases the the first thing i always point out is that um, Google and, and all the public cloud vendors, for that matter, are really good at running databases. And so, um, you know, when you have a a business or a mission-critical application running on a database, you want to know that the people running it are really good at their job. And And so it is a Clear message that I believe to customers is that if you really need this thing to be up and be available and and you want to bet your business on it, then you want the experts to be managing it. And it's really hard and really expensive to hire those experts into your enterprise. But there's, you know, a number of us in the space now that have that are managing tens of thousands of databases and with really high availability that you can build your businesses on. And so I really point to people that say, hey, you know, do you really want to carry the pager, you know, when there's an outage at three o'clock in the morning on a Saturday? Um, or, you know, do you want to outsource that to somebody that does this for a living? And, um, that's a point that, you know, I think really resonates with people, especially any of us that have carried the pager, um, that that's, that's really attractive to have somebody like Google site reliability engineering team behind you to, to kind of support those. Um, the second one I would say is, is, is also around the, the business model. Um, the, the one that you brought up before around licensing. I, I find it just absolutely fascinating how many companies are building solutions uh, with. Uh, software from vendors that they are adversarial with. Like they, they've the the vendor customer relationship in some of these has become so inverted where there really is an adversarial relationship between uh, a company and their software vendors. Um, and you know, I really believe that that's an untenable position. And so customers need to be really careful not to get themselves into a situation where uh, incentives aren't aligned and and it's it's hard to go in a different direction. Right. It's very easy to say, oh, I'm going to use this database technology and then get six months into the project be like oh i totally picked the wrong one right like i missed i missed these set of requirements that i didn't know i had and now i need a different technology and you know if you've done a three-year upfront commitment to some software like that's a really painful pivot to make on the business and so by by consuming products on a on a per consumption basis and on a no risk basis it really just gives you a lot more operational flexibility to do what's right for your business um those are kind of the two things that I always bring up with people uh, is, is, the, is really the availability and security. I guess the third thing I would say is security. Um, I, I think that this is, this is no longer a uh, contentious statement to say that data stored in, in Google Cloud Platform or any of the public cloud vendors is more secure than what people are doing on-premise. And so it really is a security plus. Um, if you've watched any of the videos uh, that Google puts out around our data center security and, and all of the crazy things that we do to protect customers data, whether it be you know three levels of encryption, between at least three levels of for any piece of data uh you know physical intrusion detection um all of the things that we do around our data centers I, I think that people very quickly get comfortable that it is a more secure place to store their customers data and so i those would be the three things that i would point out to customers that um you know should really drive their buying decision
0: yeah no very very cool it, it, it's uh yeah it, and it's good insight i, I think you know the the way the world's changing, you know, the pace that things are changing, you know, having having those types of flexibilities, but also knowing that you know you're working with people that, uh, like you said, have, have done this, you know, tens of thousands of times and, and do it all the time is. Uh, is really really important. Um, w- one last thing, and this is uh, sort of breaking news. I'm just looking through some feeds. Um, you know, today Google Cloud announced um, availability of their their open service broker. Um, I assume that that's going to have uh, some of the things built into it um, that will be able to allow people to go attach to uh, the various Google Cloud storage and, and database services. Uh, at least, you know, whether it's now or or, or over time.
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely. So. Um, with all of these things, you know, we're, we're deeply, um, uh, integrated and in, in supportive of, of a number of various industry standards, um, you know whether it be uh, the OpenStack, uh, cu- uh, Kubernetes, any of the various um, Linux foundation. And so we're always looking to make sure that we can plug into whatever industry standards are out there and whatever, um, whatever ways we can to make it easier for customers to access our services, either in on-premise and in the cloud or across public clouds. You know, we want to make sure that we have the most open, um, lowest uh, lock-in Uh, platform for customers because we believe that that's a that really de-risks the upfront decision if you know that you can, you know, easily get integrated with other ones, or again, change direction later on. And so, um, with any of these things, we're 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 always working to make sure that we're uh, we're integrated and compatible with any of the the broader initiatives around um, interoperability.
0: Very cool. Very very cool. Well, listen, I'm going to wrap it up with that, uh, Dominic Price. Thank you so much for the time today. If folks want to, you know, reach out to you, reach out to the the you know the database team, the Google Cloud team. What are some of the best ways to do that?
1: The, um, uh, so obviously, anyone, uh, any of the folks that have uh, Google Cloud Platform uh, accounts will will have a, a way of um, reaching out to support. Support's the easiest way; they know how, where to find me. I'm uh, a very short call away from their uh, their support <laughs> rep. Um, same thing if you if you have a Google Cloud sales rep, um, they have a direct line to me and often call me on my cell phone. Um, and so uh, those are the, the the best ways. We do monitor Stack Overflow and, and Twitter accounts as well, and so we're always watching the the social media channels as well. I, I personally am on Stack Overflow once a day, uh, just looking at issues that people have with the products and so um, those are really good channels for people to
0: to reach out to us very cool very cool well listen with that folks we're going to wrap it up for dominic and for aaron thank you so much for listening today and we will talk to you next week thank you for listening to the cloudcast please visit thecloudcast.net to find more podcasts show notes and everything social media and visit acloud.guru for all your cloud training needs